Hello and welcome back to Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at d1baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Mark Etheridge. We are continuing our series of SEC Team Preview Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the Tennessee Volunteers, which, you know, last year got to Omaha. Second time in three years, Tennessee has been to Omaha, and the one year they didn't make it, you may remember, they were the best team in college baseball and just kind of ran into a buzzsaw in in Notre Dame. But quite a a little run Tennessee is on here, so we'll, we'll jump into how likely it is that they continue that run or if they're due for a step back or something in between we will dice that up here in a second but first i have to let you know that this episode of highway to hoover and every episode of highway to hoover is brought to you by pitch logic the system used by players coaches scouts and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues the easy to use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level all the metrics and features used at the highest level see pitchlogic.com for more information I redeemed myself after I flubbed on the South Carolina episode on the on the ad read. Just you're on the totally, totally redeemed myself. Uh, so Tennessee last season, forty four and twenty two overall, sixteen and fourteen in SEC play. They were the most dangerous two seed in the field and bore that out by winning a regional and then winning a super regional. Um, breaking the hearts of uh, Southern Miss fans along the way. Yeah, and yeah. Scott, Scott Barry, that's right, you were. in Scott Barry's last year at the helm and into their season in the College World Series again. And, you know, frankly, that rundown doesn't totally give you the true picture of their season. It was kind of a wild season. Yeah. At one point they were, what was it, 5-10 and 10 in SEC play? Is that right? Something like that? Yeah. And we were starting to have conversations of like, hey, this, you know, could this team miss regionals? And then, you know, lo and behold, they they make some tweaks. They they move some guys in and out. I think most famously, they shuffle the rotation, Chase Burns to the bullpen, Andrew Lindsay into the rotation. And the rest is, is kind of history because that all that stuff kind of took, if you will. Um, and so they go into this year with, uh, with a decent bit of turnover again. And I think that I, br- I bring that up in large part because I think that's part of what we underestimated last year was, you know, we'd seen Tennessee kind of go seamlessly from, you know, we, we, they looked pretty good early in 2020, but then we know what happened there. But then in 2021, they go to, they go to Omaha, they lose some guys from that team. They come back in 2022 and they were better. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, okay, they lose guys after that season. It's like, okay, they're not going to be, they're not going to go 25 and five in conference play again, but they'll still, we had them as the preseason number two last year, you know, they'll, they'll still be great. And then it just took them a while. So I, I think this year we have a little bit of a different perspective and expectation for them. I mean, look, we still have them in the top 10. We think it's <laughs> clearly, we think it's a very good team, mm-hmm. but I do think we have maybe a little more respect for this program is really humming along right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a turnkey operation and they'll immediately run out there and be this, this juggernaut of a team just because we, we think they should. Right. Well, you remember last year, yeah, every, everyone remembers, you know, they go to Missouri and, they, you know, they drop all three three games that weekend. But, you know, they were preseason number two, as you mentioned, behind an LSU team that we were calling the super team. And, you know, they lost two out of three opening weekend. I mean, it, it, and, and Maui Ahuna was suspended, if you remember all that. So it was just kind of a weird year, especially from the start. But, boy, did when they – when they figured it out, they figured it out. And at the end of the year, uh, really from you know May on, they were playing as well as anybody. They just had such a big hole to climb out of. 
So I think that how that parallels to this year is there are some similar questions um, where you have you know, new players coming in to, to in different spots, having to replace you know a lot of production either you know, pitching wise certainly, but even some offensively too. And how is that all going to shake out? And and I don't I'm not I don't think anyone's too worried that by May they're going to figure it out again, right? But you just don't want to you know you don't want to crawl in crawl out of a hole in May. You want to be already in a in a good spot, and then you turn it on, and then you're you're a top eight seed, right? And you're a team playing at home, and that's a great home environment. Is you know they they would be a tough team to knock off at home, and and I think that even as they prove that. Doesn't matter. They can still win on the road as they did last year. But boy, wouldn't you rather have that home, home crowd, that home experience, right? So I think, you know, for me, is what kind of start are they going to get? How do some of these new players? I mean, you know, Cannon Peebles, Billy Amick, um, you know, uh, Dalton Bargo. You know, some of these guys who've done it other places who are going to come in if they step in and and flourish. Um, and, and some of the, the holdovers can, you know, can, can continue their development. This is going to be a really good offense. Okay, so I, I, I think I feel pretty confident about their offense. Uh, then you look at the, the pitching staff and Drew Beam. He's a known commodity, but he's moving into that Friday role where, you know, he's been, you know, he's been one of the best pitchers in the league the last two two seasons, but he hadn't had to be the guy. So this is a great opportunity for him you know, to, to have that limelight and to match up with some of the best pitchers in the conference. And then, you know, what does it look like behind him? I, I think, you know, there's plenty of options. And, and and I think, you know, this is where I think you could see some some churn, right, and you, as as they try to find the right pitchers for the right roles and, and, and see who can who can give them what they need. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by what they get on the mound behind Beam. That to me is – Question number one, I think in part just because we've become so accustomed to seeing that rotation for, for two years, really, at least the first half of last year, it was in some order, Dolander, Burns, and Beam. And so Beam kind of gets zoomed up to the number one spot, and and he's as ready for that as anybody oh, in college yeah. baseball. you know. Yeah. Uh, so I don't anticipate necessarily being a lot different, but I, I will say being uh, – being a Friday guy is different, although sometimes I think that gets a little bit overblown, but he's a different pitcher than Dolander and Burns. Mm -hmm. His stuff is good. He's a legitimate prospect. I don't want to slight him in that regard, but he's historically been more of a pitch to contact guy, a soft contact guy, not necessarily pitch to contact, but he, he tends to get a lot of soft contact. His strikeout numbers aren't as high as Burns and Dolander's were, you know, his, he's a little more hittable. Um, now he's also a little bit steadier in some regard than certainly Chase Burns was at times, right? I mean, last year Chase Burns was you didn't know what you were going to get when he the first half yeah. of the season when he was in the rotation, and, and even Dolander last year to some degree. So Burns might be kind of the steadiest heartbeat guy of that group, but he's not typically as dominant. So if he's the same guy, that's great. I mean, you've still got a really good Friday guy, but I don't know what if he's turn things up a notch? What if he's missing more bats? What if he's a little more dominant? That that will be interesting to see if, if it plays out that way. I'm intrigued by options behind him, though they are unproven. I really liked what I saw from AJ Russell last year. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the numbers are frankly kind of incredible. And, and, you know, it was a lot of midweek stuff, a lot of low leverage stuff early in the year, but 
you know, he, I saw him in person throw a bunch against Georgia late in the year last year. And it was like, he was, he was ready to, to be, to be a high leverage guy. Now he's going to get, get his opportunity, but he, he really, really looks the part. I, I don't have a ton of cause for concern there, it, but the third spot is kind of interesting to me. I, I like AJ Causey, the Jacksonville state transfer, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's a funky slot. It's a pr- pretty firm fastball, but the big deal with him is a super high spin breaking ball that's really nasty when it's on. But you know, he's a guy that had a five ERA last year at Jacksonville State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they play in a good league, but it's not the SEC. So, was that anomaly? Is he a better pitcher now? That could be possible too, right? Frank Anderson, one of the best pitching coaches in the country, so it's just possible he's a better pitcher now than he was a year ago. I don't want to discount that, but um. You know, they have Xander Seacrest kind of waiting in the wings. I mean, yeah. you talk about experience, doesn't get much more experience than him, uh, other than Kirby Cannell, who's still on this team. Still there. Um, as, a, as, the, as a, you know, lefty specialist. Pitching but, to one hitter, right. Right, exactly. One hitter at a time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's great at it. You know what? Yeah, mm-hmm. God bless him, you know. Um, but, you know, you've got Seacrest, a guy with, with some experience there. Um, but ultimately... I, I wouldn't be surprised if that third spot ends up being fluid for a while. And even the second spot, if Russell's not, um, you know, great out of the gate, although I have a, a pretty high level of confidence, he's going to be all right there. But, you know, what they get behind beam to me is, is question number one for this team. Right. I, I totally agree. Um, and I, I'm really, I guess, curious to see the role Marcus Phillips plays. I mean, he's the JC transfer who could be, could be the closer or if you know if we talked about maybe Causey or, or Russell or, or Lord forbid there's an injury or something you know he could be a guy who who you might want to stretch out right certainly the stuff is there great athlete can be a difference maker um he but you think about you got a guy like that who's who's going to be really competitive and you love a guy like that in a closer role don't you I mean just a guy who's going to come in and and want the ball in the clutch, you know, the, the clutch moment. So th- that that's a, kind of an X factor for me. W- what is his role? Is he going to be the closer? Or is he going to help you in other ways? Um, and, and I think the other thing with, with Tennessee is they've always, I mean, the last really few years, they, they probably had more pitchers than they needed. Okay. So we, we talked about AJ Russell was ready for a, in an, an enhanced role and there just wasn't one available because there were so many other guys you're trying to you're trying to get work to so maybe having a little bit less depth may allow some guys to blossom and and elevate and and, and you know you, you don't want to say that out loud sometimes but, but maybe you know it's hard to keep everybody everybody happy and everybody sharp so may, maybe you know if if you're trying to get use 10 guys instead of 14, um, this is a, you know, that, that, that might work out. One guy I want to mention too, before we move on to the position player side is the best freshman arm I saw this fall was Derek Schaefer. He's mm-hmm. a kid out of Arizona, kind of a big physical guy, just a lot of mound presence. The stuff is good too, but, but he, he looked like a veteran on the mound pitching against Virginia tech. And, and I get it. It's the fall. It's not as, as high, um, you know, high intensity, as it will be during the spring, but he was a guy that really stood out to me. And if there's a freshman on the staff that 
has a chance to to jump into to a big role right away. I think it's I think it's him. So that's one more name to to watch out for there. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Repatha.com or call 1-844-REPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Repatha. On the position player side, I think the most interesting group for me is the outfield, where they're looking at maybe... Um, you know, Dylan Dryling, who was good in a small sample last year. The key for him is can he hit lefties? He really didn't bat against lefties at all last season, but put up good overall numbers. Can he be an everyday guy now? Hunter Inslee played really well in center field last year. I wrote a story about him um midway through the year last year because he had kind of locked down that center field job. And not the not the toolsiest guy, not the most exciting player, not really a prospect, just a really nice, gritty, hard-nosed player, kind of in the Tennessee mold, right? Just the, the guys we've they've started to churn out with regularity there. Um, and then Kavar's Tears is another guy to watch there. He had a, um, from everything coming out of there, he had a big fall. Now, the one game I saw against Virginia Tech, he struck out four times and looked lost against breaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Bad day or, you know, a harbinger of things to come. I mean, that'll remain to be seen, but certainly super toolsy. Um, no, no argument there. Like they, I think they would love for him to be a guy who figures it out this year. It's big time power is kind of the the thing offensively that stands out about him. And he could be a superstar if he puts it all together, but there is some swing and miss there. How does, how does he handle that? So the outfield to me is, is on the position player side, what I'm looking at first as having a lot of control over how good is this Tennessee team offensively? Mm-hmm. And, and I think those are your your lineup depth when we're talking about, you know, maybe guys who aren't going to hit, you know, one through five, although they, they might. Right. But but you in order to stretch out leads, in order to run up pitch counts, you, you need those guys, six, seven, eight, sometimes nine to to give you those competitive at bats and, and to stretch that lineup out and turn a one run inning into a three and a four run inning. And I think that that's where, for me, that that's where I see that happening. I think for, for Tennessee, the biggest, biggest question positionally for is, is shortstop. Um, will it be the freshman uh, Antigua? Um, once he, once he comes back from injury, he's out for a few weeks early in the season. Um, so they're, they're going to be without him for a little bit, but he, he had been someone tracking to maybe lock down that job as a, mm-hmm. as a freshman now, you know, maybe still, but it, it, it'll take a little bit of time. Yeah. So, or, you know, it's Christian Moore going to, going to be there. And if, if he does and any, any handle and he sticks there defensively, then wow. I mean, it gives you a, you know, one of your stars and, and, and he moves into an, a premium position, right? So versatile guy, one of the best, 
you know, best, uh, most exciting players. I'll call him in the league because he's fun to watch, man. He's all over the place. Um, I, I think um, Blake Burke is an interesting guy for me, just light tower power. Um, perfect fit for that ballpark. And it's not like he needs to hit cheap home runs, but boy, can he, you know, he, it's almost unfair, you know, him, yeah. him hitting there. Um, so can he do more than, more than just be the power guy? Cause you know, the talents there, if, if, if he's able to, he hit 279 last year, if he hits 330, just think, think what his run production numbers will be. So that that's that to me is one of the keys for for the season is is can he be that guy yeah i mean last year we've talked about this before but last year in sec play it wasn't it, it frankly it wasn't good I mean, he hit 211 five home runs in sec play mm-hmm. um you know one of the lower among regulars the only the only regular with a lower batting average in sec play was cal stark mm-hmm. who was not you know really one of their was not a top offensive guy for tennessee so right. Um, so that's a great, great point by you. Cause the numbers overall look okay. You know, okay. 279, you'd like that to be higher, but he hit 16 bombs, you know? So yeah. you're like, okay, that's, that's a nice year. Um, but it's a little more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. If so, one other guy we haven't mentioned is Billy Amick, the uh, Clemson transfer. Maybe we've mentioned him in passing, but we haven't dug in on him. Um, guy can really hit, I mean, a, a really good story last year at Clemson was a guy who really wasn't in the lineup early in the season, but once he got in the lineup, he stuck around and, put up incredible numbers and it's important to remember you look at those, the numbers he put up last year and that's, that's in about two thirds of the total games he could have started in. So right. those counting totals, I think it was 17 doubles, 13 bombs uh, could have been 20 and 15 or 17 pretty easily. So a uh, really impressive hitter, really good feel to hit. Obviously he's got some strength. I think his power will play well in that, in that ballpark. There are questions about him defensively. Mm-hmm. I'm not as worried about that as some others are. Uh, certainly not as worried about it as MLB scouts are, but of course they're doing a different job than what we're doing here. Yeah. I think he'll ultimately be fine. Um, Infield-wise, if, let's say, Antigua, with Antigua being out, you move Christian Moore to shortstop, or even if you don't, a couple of the guys to watch there that that, that are talented who I like. One is Brad Keelory, who's a... a JC transfer who played for the national title winning college of central Florida, uh, last year. Um, didn't see him in the fall. He was not with the team or he was on the team, but he, he did not play in the the Virginia tech scrimmage. So I, I have not seen him with my own eyes, but he's, um, a, a, um, well-regarded recruit from the Juco ranks. One of the best Juco transfers to end up in the sec. The comp, the Tennessee coaching staff puts on him as Seth Stevenson from a couple of years ago, who was, you know, a versatile guy, good athlete could run. Um, so it's that kind of profile. Also Alex Perry, another Juco transfer, good, good body. Um, you know, again, a, a versatile guy could certainly play second base. Um, you know, could, could play third base. If Amick ends up, if they push Amick somewhere else, um, you know, has some, has some physicality, can run the ball at the ballpark a, a little bit. So I do like some of the depth options they have. So you say, oh gosh, you, you lost a guy who could have been the starting shortstop as a freshman. That must be a real blow. And, you know, they prefer that not be the case, but they do have some depth options on the infield that, that I really, that I really like. So that's mm-hmm. good news there. And the the final thing is, is we mentioned Cannon Peebles a little bit, wasn't a full-time catcher last year at NC state. Now in fairness to him, that's, I think that's less because they, were repulsed by what they saw from him defensively and more that he was behind Jake Cozart, 
who is, you know, one of the best two or three catchers in the country. So that's just a break. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how does he handle full-time catching? I think we're confident he's going to hit, but you know, it's been a while since Tennessee has felt great about its catching position. Um, You know, with the situation they had um, a couple of years ago where they, really didn't have a traditional catcher last year. They caught Cal Stark a lot. Who's who's still around, but will be most likely a backup. Um, so people's, if he can really handle the position and if he can hit like he did hit, like he hit last year at NC state um, for the first time in a while, Tennessee probably has to feel really good about what it has behind the plate. Right. And, and plus they added Dalton Bargo from Missouri. who can play a lot right. of different places. Right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's kind of a forgotten guy here, but yeah, it's a guy who, who swung the bat pretty well at, at Missouri last year for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do think that, you know, being able to – if Amick is able to be that guy in the middle of the lineup, which all indications, you know, he will be, and then and Burke takes that next step, I mean, this lineup will be, you know, that it's it, it's going to be re- really challenging to pitch to. Um, and I guess the, the last thing on the balls is, you know, last year – was such a roller coaster year because the expectations were so high after, you know, the year before and just dominant regular season and then not making it to Omaha when, you know, it was kind of Tennessee versus the field, right? Two years ago for the postseason. And then last year you don't even host, but, but you get back, you know, you, the year after the big year is you get to the college world series. So now what happens? Okay. You've had the year where, you know, you shocked everybody that you became this juggernaut. And then that was expected because you have to do that every year because that's what expectations are, right? But you don't in the regular season, and then you you shoot up and you have the year that you should have had the year before, right? You made it to the Final Four. So what is what is you, what does this year do? Because um, the expectations are high, but not like last year. But the team, I don't know. I mean, the team, to me, this if the pitching gets figured out, it could be a really similar type of club to last year. And maybe the offense is a little bit better, and you don't have those early losses. You don't have that hole that you've got to climb out of. So you're in a better position for the postseason, and, and, and the program is viewed differently, right? So I think that that's, that's a really interesting because – I love to think about program trajectories and who's who's trending in the right direction and and maybe who's not and and this is a this is a volunteer program that you know Tony's turned it into you know a destination right for transfers for I mean because they're they're in the big fish pond right they're they're getting all these all these guys that could go anywhere and, and I think a big part of that is being able to be successful year after year and um, this is a great opportunity to keep building on on that upward trend. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, so many things working in their favor right now. They're obviously the results in the field, they're recruiting well, both in a traditional sense and in the portal. Uh, you know, they, they have upgrades coming to Lindsey Nelson stadium. Um, although I, I think they, I mean, when you have a chance to make upgrades, you have to make them, but I do think there, there will be something maybe lost when, when they do upgrade the stadium a little bit, because right now, the facility itself is not anything to really write home about in terms of the the looks, the aesthetics and all that. But home games right now in Knoxville are as close as we have to South American soccer matches in terms of like, 
you know, just a wall of sound and kind of and yeah, antagonistic home crowds in, 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 a, in, a, in a beautiful way, like just a fun atmosphere where the crowd is just right on top of the field. It feels like so. Yeah, they impact um, the game. I, absolutely. And I hope, you know, whatever the, the next version of Lindsay Nelson Stadium looks like, they don't they don't lose that. Yeah. that feeling so uh, even as it gets a little more a little more posh which they deserve i mean the success they've had they deserve to have have some better digs but uh hopefully it is just as fun as, as what's happening at Lindsay nelson right now so uh that is going to do it for this edition of highway to hoover a production of sec extra over at d1baseball.com uh, if you are a tennessee fan who just came in for this one episode we appreciate you joining us but we would urge you to go back and listen to all of our previous sec team preview episodes and hang around for the last couple of episodes we have on uh, sec programs heading up to opening day uh, we will have done 14 episodes by the time it is all said and done one for each club and whatever podcast app you are looking at or using, uh, give us five stars, give us a review, give us a thumbs up, give us a whatever it is your podcast app wants you to do to let other people know that they should jump on board as we get ready for the 2024 season. And I do a poor job at this, but uh, I should do this more often. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, uh, we'd be humbled if you'd give us a try. Mark and I are working hard. We're, we're hard of the lab, as they would say, yeah. coming up with some new stuff to bring you guys for the 2024 season. Uh, use code 24 season at checkout to get 24% off of an annual subscription for either D1 baseball more generally or for SEC extra specifically. Either one works for us there. Uh, but again, if you're, if you're not a subscriber, we would love it if you jump in and, and give us a shot to take you through the 2024 season. So thank you, uh, listeners, for listening. Thank you to Pitch Logic for sponsoring this and every episode of Highway to Hoover. And thank you, Mark, as always, for joining me. We'll talk to you all soon. The Highway to Hoover podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.